0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Yisker sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. Imagine yourself walking on the beach. It's a quiet, beautiful morning, your favorite tea in hand, a light breeze at your back, your feet softly crushing the wet sand. For a moment, you pause, and you find yourself vulnerable to the cliché, this is heaven. You reach the end of the strand which becomes impassable at a cliff jutting into the water, and turn back. There's nowhere you need to be. And turning around might guarantee more of the same experience, one that you simply cannot get enough of. But walking in the opposite direction you notice something new. Directly ahead of you, your footprints. A trail showing you exactly from where you came. As you walk, you notice five, maybe ten additional sets of footprints, some bigger, some smaller, some deeper, and some more shallow. Whose footprints are they? You might look around and see a handful of people, but some of the footprints have been washed away almost completely erasing the remnants of their creators. As the prints fade, you can't help but wonder, was that person a doctor? A mother? Was he or she having a bad day? What if you knew those people who left behind their footprints? What if their life, their imprint, left a mark on your life? What if passing them in the sand was not the end, but rather the beginning of how your life was changed after walking beside them, and you didn't even know it? Our Torah tells of Jacob's famous dream, where there's a sulam, a passageway with which angels go up and down. It reaches directly from his head to the heavens. God stood next to or perhaps atop Jacob in this dream and told him the land he was lying on was his, for him and his descendants. God promises protection and companionship along every step of Jacob's journey. That's kind of akin to a coach saying to someone new to a sport, you're going to be the next Michael Jordan without any indication of how, no path before you to follow. Jacob awoke from his dream and said, Achen yesh adonai bamakom hazeh ve'anochi anochi loyadati. Surely there is God in this place, and I did not know. Manorah hamakom hazeh. How wondrous this exact place. The Hebrew word for place, hamakom, becomes a name for God. How wondrous is God because this place exposed me to godliness, to relationship with the divine. God was here, and I stopped, and I focused on what I experienced, and now I recognize how it has affected my life. I did not know, and with the opportunity to clear my mind and just experience, I am in relationship with God. The mark of God in Jacob's story is a limp caused by his struggle with God, but also an imprint on his heart and soul. I recently read the beautiful book The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Albom. The premise for the story is quite self-explanatory, so I will not be giving anything away by sharing that the main character, Eddie, dies in the first few pages and then spends the rest of the book meeting five people in heaven who have impacted his life or whose lives he has influenced. As Eddie is becoming acquainted with his purpose in seeing all of these people, he is told, there are five people you meet in heaven. Each of us was in your life for a reason. You may not have known the reason at the time, and that is what heaven is for, for understanding your life on earth. Understanding your life on earth is heaven that is a powerful mindset for living if this is it these are the moments these are the people these experiences are what create my story and that is it these interactions might seem mundane but what if i focused deeply on why they are occurring how they are occurring and how do you and i really affect one another what if i had the presence of mind to cherish yours and my smallest moments, knowing that after a few seconds, that moment will have passed, giving way to an equally valuable one, knowing that the next tide flow will begin to erase those footprints. So here we are. It's Yom Kippur, a day marked by uniqueness, abnormal from our everyday routine, a day to which we assign value, We are taught that Yom Kippur imitates death in many ways. We're not eating. We're not sharing physical intimacy. We might not have groomed and gussied up. Some of us might be in shul for the first time all year. It is unique, different, and special as a result. However, Yom Kippur is not about the day itself. It is the seam between one year's culmination and a new year where we will better ourselves. Its uniqueness should not be the experience of today, but rather how we use this time to recalibrate ourselves in the name of being present. It is not about feeling death. It is about recognizing that we still want and hopefully have time to get to know the makers of footprints around us, our own and those walking alongside, behind and in front of us. In fact, our tradition directly tells us this. Before we can recite Kol Nidre or approach the closing gates of Nailah, we must answer the question of Hineni. Who am I? Who will I be this year? Who have I become? How will I influence someone's life in a more meaningful way, in a deeper way? Eheyeh asher eheyeh. I will be that I will be. God says this in response to Moshe when he asks which name to share with the people. It's a name that speaks to me quite loudly this year. It's a name that says, I am me, who is here and will be here in the next immediate moment, full in presence. We are each of us in different forms of ourselves in different moments, but if we are not present, we are unclear as to who is at our core. Rabbi Nachman connects this name of God to the overall process of teshuva. Eheyeh, I am prepared to be. Which before teshuva, we do not know what that being will become. How are we half-existing in our lives, our relationships, our realities? How do we fully claim our readiness to exist? How do we become more present, more aware of that which I will be this year? Eddie, the novel's protagonist, learns there are no random acts. We are all connected. You can no more separate one life from another than you can separate a breeze from the wind. Why can't you and I be more aware of those truths and more of our activities and interactions in the world? The experiences we have in our life, if we can truly acknowledge them and find meaning in the moment, will impact not only our story, but the story of those around us. But we have to pause. Veshuv yom echad lifnei mitatecha. Do teshuvah on the day before your death, Pirkei Avot says. But how would one know which day is the day before their death? And the only reasonable answer is, you can't. You can't know. Therefore, your only option is to do teshuva every day. Turn the scrolls of the book of your life this way and that, backwards and forwards, learning more from it each time. Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh teaches us that we must do tshuva every day because today's tshuva will be different from tomorrow's. We know to do tshuva, but as Rabbi Nachman teaches, do the tshuva today because tomorrow you will do the tshuva on yesterday's version of you. The purpose of Yom Kippur is not to do tshuva for the first time this year, it's to do tshuva today, for this first day of this version of you. Then tomorrow you will do tshuva again with presence of mind, body, and spirit to know I will be what I will be. In the 21st century, being present is a greater challenge than ever before. We find ourselves at the convergence of what feels like infinite struggles, pulling us in one direction or another, requiring our attention and demanding our presence. Even in moments of solitude, we have found ourselves so deprived that perhaps being aware of our own condition was nearly impossible. Presence of self. Am I an introvert or an extrovert? Do I need time to process, or am I able to express myself with a moment's notice? Can I define who I am before others ask for my story? Do I show myself love and care, or do I talk down to the pieces of me that I might call flaws? Can I notice the parts of me that are unique and introduce them, not hide them from the world? Presence of time. This year, as we heard from Rabbi Dr. Havivi, begins a year of Shemitah. A year of letting our land lie fallow without growing, reaping, sowing, or harvesting. A time to connect to our land whether through acts of environmental justice or buying more local produce or joining our Betham Green Team to help create a more intentional community around us, Shemitah not only gives our land a Shabbat, but allows those in need more access to to produce and healthy calories. Our presence of time gives rest to that which gives us life and blessing to those who lack in access. Presence of space. Presence in a moment for those around you, creating makom, a place of listening, of comfort, of support, of calm, of love, of honesty. Stand in front of someone who is scared. Look into their eyes and show them you're a soft place to land. Listen to someone crying. Be still. Give a hug if it's desired, and wipe away the tears. Reach out to someone in need. Give them your hand to help them get up. Speak up for someone who is silenced, and speak their truth, not the truth you already have the privilege to share. It does not matter where you are. A kitchen, a living room, a sidewalk, a stadium, a yoga studio, a sanctuary. Presence of space is how to show someone I am here for you to be you. Maya Bernstein, in an article written for Tablet Magazine about living with mortality on Yom Kippur, speaks of her cancer diagnosis as a way of awakening to the realities of the day. She writes, I gradually became aware that I had a choice. I could get through it as if my illness were an irritating detour. I could put my foot on the gas pedal, speed through this unanticipated extra leg of my life's journey, and attempt to return to, quote, normal life as quickly as possible. Or I could heed the pull of this newly open road. When I allowed myself to stop moving so quickly, I began to feel the vastness of the sky, the slow warmth of the sun seeping into me. I began to sense that this experience wasn't delaying or encumbering or impinging on my life. It was my life. It offered a completely new way of being. I became less rushed. I developed clarity and confidence about how I wanted to spend my time and with whom. Maya is poignantly speaking to the power of finding meaning to be present. We are each of us blissfully unpresent because we live life as if we are immortal. But as Maya points out, Yom Kippur reminds us every year that that cannot be the case. Maya quotes a recent article in the New York Times where Sister Alethia, the Nun featured explains that we try to suppress the thought of death or escape it or run away from it because that's where we will find happiness. But it's actually in facing the darkest realities of life, she says, that we find light. If we are present... Conscious, appreciative of the moments we have with others walking the beach and wondering about each set of footprints, we are living heaven on earth. So, what is there to suppress? We are already capable of living our ultimate happiness. Since last Yisker, I have shared these moments of grief with you and your family, stood by a hospital bed singing, hugged you tight after placing dirt on your loved one's grave, listened to your cries as the Kriya ribbon tears and echoes the sound of your heart. The reason the deaths of our loved ones are so hard is because we lived with them as if they were immortal, as if we were already walking on the beaches of heaven together. And we might feel guilt around wanting to do more, say more, experience more, learn more about them. But ultimately, we were present, which is why we never feel there was enough time. In the moments we did not write their story down or record their voice or listen as intently to their wisdom, that was because we loved them deeply and knew they would be with us forever. There are empty seats in our sanctuary, empty spots at the table in your home's Empty space where stories, advice, and jokes would have been shared. But not really empty. Just not physically leaving their footprints in the sand. The last sentences of the book read, the people were there or would be there because of the simple mundane things Eddie had done in his life. The accidents he had prevented, the rides he had kept safe, the unnoticed turns he had affected every day. And while their lips did not move, Eddie heard their voices, more voices than he could have imagined, and a peace came upon him that he had never known before. He reached for his wife, and he saw her smile, and the voices melded into a single word from God, Home. Live life noticing the footprints in the sand. Live life present in moments with loved ones, even if you miss details. Live life with presence of self, hineni, of time, teshuva, and of space, makom. Because we know there's a chance that before your foot leaves its place to take the next step, it's already gone.